0: Answer. thank you for taking the time on a day off on the road are you down in from is it kansas or missouri
1: yeah i'm in uh lawrence kansas right now on a day off lawrence kansas are the get-up kids around or i know right <laughs> it, it, we love this area we actually um i think it was like 2005 was the first time we played here and then we started scheduling days off here if we were going to be crossing you know like if it was in our in our path and we probably had like 10 days off here in, the, in our career because we, uh, we just fell in love with this little area a long time ago. So Glad to hear that you like where you're <clears throat> at. You're not stuck. Well, in, <laughs> in, I'll tell you what. So <laughs> I got on the bus this morning, came in to use the gym in the hotel sure. and it was 60 um, something degrees outside. It's like, great, this is awesome. By the time I showered after the gym and went back to the bus, it was like 40 and raining like sideways and now it's going to snow um in the next couple of hours and uh, it's just temperatures just dropping so not the best for the day but hey at least we have a day of rest you know
0: exactly well hey again you are on tour and you're still supporting voyeurist on the road are you playing a lot from this new record on the tour
1: Yeah, we're playing a couple songs from Voyeurist, and we just dropped a new single um, a week and a half ago. So it's kind of a taste of what's coming after Voyeurist, um, which is soon for us. We normally wouldn't, uh, I guess, release music that fast, but we were just, you know, we did a tour last year, and normally would we would have done two tours. But everything just post COVID has just been a little different. So. We we're just kind of taking in things that as as we want to do them. So now we're gonna be dropping a few songs throughout the year, um, and uh, potentially a new record this year or early next year. I'm not sure when we'll when we'll drop the whole thing, but we'll be releasing music throughout the year. Right, voyeurist. I believe you put out five singles
0: from the album before it came out, <coughs> and these—the right. these, definition of a single—is a little different. But at this point in Oats' career, it's the kind of thing where if you play 15 songs in a night, there's a chance that 15 songs literally charted, had music videos. In other words, it must be hard at this point to put together a set list.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, we only get about like five songs of wiggle room per tour. I feel like. Because I feel like there's, like you said, there's probably two songs off each record that we have to play. Right. You know, uh, we have to play two songs off Chasing Safety without a doubt, two songs off of Define a Great Line, mm-hmm. uh, at least one song off Lost, one song off Dis Am, uh, at least a song off Erase Me, and then two songs off Voyeurist. You know that's if you that's really trimming the fat you know like that's like the things that we have to do and then the new song you know you're at 10 songs of stuff if we cut every corner before we could start you know changing the set list up and making it you know different so right um yeah but i think that's cool i mean you don't want to cut songs that people want to see that grew up on your band or never saw you play or whatever so there's certain songs that we have to play yeah
0: earlier into your career it must have been like well how do we fill 60 minutes okay we'll have a five minute intro song Every how y'all doing tonight things are great it's great to be here and now you almost don't have time for any of that because you have to get those 70 to 90 minutes
1: in dude i've been thinking about that a lot lately because um we you know like the set list, me and a couple of the other guys are like really hands-on with the set list. And at the same time that I like look like, man, we don't really have much wiggle room here. I like I'm releasing my first solo record this year. Oh. And I've only I've only put out two songs. And even if I put out the whole thing, like I'm already like, you know, talking to agents and stuff and like trying to get together like when when will the first when will the debut show be? What will the debut tour be? Like when will the full record drop? And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, how the hell am I going to fill a set list where there's only you know so many songs like that's if I played every song on my solo record like it'll still probably be like I'm gonna have to like jam jam it out in the middle and that kind of stuff I I think and it like reminded me of the days when Under Oath used to do like a new song live that wasn't wasn't recorded like we used to do that all the time or we would do like an interlude and jam on it before a song with vocals and everything and that honestly inspired a lot of new songs. Um, there's some there's some YouTube clips I'm sure you can find out there where were like interlude and that interlude actually turned into a song, you know. Outrocast. Where are you dialing in from today?
0: Where are you calling in from?
2: From Los Angeles, home. This is home.
0: Got it. You have lived all over the world so I never knew where you're based these days. Yeah,
2: well it's true. I mean I travel I've been living here for a long time but but certainly uh for for many years uh almost 6 to 7 months of the year I was out of Los Angeles so I mean all all around. So but but here is where where I uh where I have my my base my headquarters my family.
0: Got it. Well, your work made headlines again a couple of days ago. There's some statistic that after the last episode of The Last of Us, that I think 700% the video game sales went up. So when you started work on that, did yeah, you know... No, today, today, this was- today
2: we got another one. Today we got one that's, that uh, uh, is uh, after the last episode aired, uh, we become, became now the the biggest show in HBO Max history in Europe and uh, Latin America.
0: Well, when you were working on the music, did you know that it was anything special, that it was anything other than, hey, this is a prioritized video game?
2: Of course, of course, I knew it was something special. Not only that, I I was waiting for this. Uh, Sorry. Uh, You know, I um, have always been very interested in every everything that uh, that mu- the music could play a role so mm-hmm. uh i like i mean all kinds of music all genres i produce produced more than 100 albums uh, you know with right. lots of different di- different uh, uh styles of music and things uh, always you know kind of alternative or you know i mean from cafe tacuba to the kronos quartet but uh, yes. it, you know all, all kinds of of uh, of music, and uh, I appreciate uh, all all kinds of also of of um, scenarios where music can play a role, being a movie, uh, being a, a, a musical, for example. You know, I mean, uh, and video games certainly was something that I was uh, interested in in getting involved with. Not particularly because I'm a gamer, because I am not, I'm lousy, I'm terrible, but you know, I have a, a son uh that at the time that i started working on the last of us which was around 10 years ago already because the, the game came uh, 7 years ago out but i started working prior to that a few years before um he was in the, his mid teen years and he's a very good player was a good player and uh and I always like to to uh, watch him play, you know. Mm-hmm. I also, you know, a member of a band called Bajo Fondo, and I used to like you know, to watch my my buddies uh, play, uh, Bajo F- uh, play FIFA, you know. Uh yeah. I always enjoy playing, watching people play, and watching, especially watching my son playing. I always thought, man, you know, uh, if if somebody at at certain, someone at certain point develops a, an emotional connection with the player, you know, uh, something that goes beyond the survival and the combat and the fighting and all that, but goes deeper, you know, into a more personal and more uh, emotional uh, uh, thing. And this is going to be, it's going to be, it's going to make history, you know? And, uh, and so after my two Oscars, you know, I mean, I, 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 uh, I was approached by several, Companies, one of them, very big company from France, it for uh, to do a uh, video but nothing really. It was more of the same, nothing reverberate with me, and nothing was mm-hmm. the thing that I was waiting for, you know. And then I met Neil, you know. When when I met Neil, and Neil told me the story of the last of us and told me expressly that he wanted to actually create this this uh, rapport, this this connection with a with a gamer. I said. This is it, you know. I'm, I'm very picky to what projects I get involved with, and but I knew this, this. I knew, I knew, I knew that it was going to, that it was going to be different. And I always had that, that, that feeling that if somebody did this, it was going to be, uh, no pun intended, but a game changer. And, uh, and uh, you know, when we learned that people were crying, some people were crying playing the game, it was a confirmation. You know, so uh, so yes. In a way, I mean, of course, you always need, in a way, that ratification. You know what I mean. That, but I always knew that we were in uh, doing something very special.
0: Well, you mentioned it before. You said Cafe Tacuba, and yeah. Cafe Tacuba is one of the bands that led you to winning Latin Grammys, right. them Alanis, et etc. And so, I'm talking to somebody who's won a few Producer of the Year from the Latin Grammys regular Grammys, Golden Globe Awards, That's Academy Awards. <laughs> when did you start to realize that you were going to be more than just a musician? Because I noticed that you started off in a band in the 60s and Correct.
2: The 70s Correct. before Correct.
0: you found all the success as a producer. And most musicians don't make it to being a producer. They just go signed artists, Correct. they're dropped, they quit.
2: Yeah, correct. Well, you know, I I don't. Uh, first of all, lots of things in my life as, uh, as an artist. I mean, I I I I was able to articulate with time. Lots of things that I did uh, in just intuitively. You know, because I, I I'm not an academically trained musician, uh, but mm-hmm. so it was in, in in intuition. Sorry about that. It's, and uh, 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 it was really by intuition that I've done things, but I've been able to articulate uh, many things with, with with time, you know? And, yep. and, uh, and actually, you know, I, I don't see myself, now I can say this, I don't see myself as a musician, you know, or as a producer, or even as a film composer. Or, I see myself as an artist that uses different forms to express it's the my creativity, you know what I mean? So and obviously playing the role that is necessary for that particular game, no, not, not game for the video game, but, but the particular uh, uh, situation, you know, so, yeah. sometimes, you know, I, 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 get to play, I, I play in one position in the field, sometimes I play in another position, but I'm always in the game, you know, and that, that's, I see, I mean, so, so I don't like, you know, I, I don't feel myself like a film composer. I know that I do music for films and I can do music for different things, but, uh, and I know that I, I'm a producer, but, but I don't feel like it, Okay, that's what I am—a producer. No, no, I'm, I'm I'm an artist that can produce records, can do his own music, can right, you know, work with somebody else, can do and and eventually, you know, more expanding to more things. I mean, I'm you know, I'm working on a musical, you know, I've oh. been working on a musical uh, with Paul Williams, you know. Really? Yeah, yeah. Paul Williams writing the lyrics. Yeah. So um, and. Um, and so, so i you know, I'm, 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 I want to explore as many things as I can. Doing what I do, you know.
0: Does the uh, working with Paul Williams, who's known for being an ASCAP person, and you have those BMI awards? Does yes. that get in the way the ASCAP BMI? Oh, because
2: I've been, I've been, I've been, BMI, ASCAP. Then I've been ASCAP, and yep. now I'm BMI again. You know, but, but never I, CSAC. But I still no, never since <laughs> yet, yet. Yeah. But I keep repertoire in both, so you know they're both happy. They're both happy, and it's you know it's something that every few years you can revised. And it's been, uh, in my experience for me, uh, it has worked for me, this this switching from one to another one. Hopefully one day I'll just stay uh, in one. I don't know, hopefully, whatever, you know, it, it is. Uh, I'm glad because really both of them have nice chunks of my repertoire.
1: Outrocast.
0: The first question I have, you basically have three names at this point in your life because <laughs> your survival guide, your agent M, your Emily. What do you like to be called?
3: Uh I would like you to call me M. Does that work for you?
0: <laughs> agent M works just fine, or M works fine. And congratulations on keeping up the survival guide series. It's really great to see that Request Hotline is continuing. When you first started, was it just a passion thing from home that evolved into a a commercially released thing?
3: Yes. Well, um, it started out as a reward on my Patreon. So um, people on my Patreon were able to request cover songs for me to record. And um, I just really got into it. And eventually I had plenty of songs collected up and just kind of decided well with with my patrons decided why not why not release them like initially I never thought I would do that because I was also learning how to record myself and how to sort of uh reimagine songs um as a as a solo musician so um so yeah it just turned into basically turned into um, releases for the public
0: it's cool uh, the choices that you make in terms of the covers because there's really two schools of thought for most covers albums and one is the biggest hits and the most obvious stuff and then there's the I have to prove that I know music and <laughs> I know more obscure stuff than you etc so it's really fascinating to see that you can do Green Day and Tony Sly yeah. <laughs> Guinea and Avril Lavigne. Has your music taste always been so diverse that it's the most mainstream and alternative?
3: Well, what's interesting about those song selections is that they aren't, they aren't mine at all. Like those songs are all over really? the map because they are requests from my patrons. And I I really? feel the same way. Yeah. I feel the same way that you do about, about the selection. Like, oh, wow. Okay. So we're doing a, you know, uh, we're doing a, well, I guess on the first request hotline, it was like, well, okay, we're doing a David Bowie song but I've never heard this David Bowie song before like there's a lot of uh, really well-known artists and and their b-sides for me too like same with the um the Distillers song on this record I'm uh it's more so that that made it more of a an interesting unique project for me than anything because of course a lot of the songs I am familiar with but a yeah. few of them I'm I, I wasn't beforehand and it was really a, a, learning, a learning experience. Um, but as far as my own music taste, I wouldn't say it's always been all over the map, but um, cause I used to be very just like punk rock only kind of uh, back in the day. But, uh, but over the years it for sure has, has broadened out a lot and, um, and you know, evolved.
0: The press materials mentioned that it all started with Green Day for you, which was the same deal for me. That's why I started playing guitar. But Green Day was not my first concert. It was not my first obsession. Did you have anyone before Green Day? Like, were you a weird out person or a metal person?
3: Uh, I would say I only had a, a, a partial interest in music before Green Day. I had um, I had some albums that I had bought that I thought were, were cool I had some tape singles yeah. um and that was just kind of radio stuff in general I hadn't I really... there it is <laughs> not n- not that one <laughs> <laughs> I mean but, that uh, would uh, have been but, a
0: cassette single to have
3: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think I had I think I probably had Poison by Belle Viv yeah on on tape um but uh But no, it wasn't, it really wasn't until, until Green Day that I was like, I am, I am music now. (laughs) This is, this is part of me.
0: (laughs) Well, going back to those influences and all that, it's really cool to see Misfits covers and it's not the most obvious songs in the world. And when I worked in artist management, one of the strategies that the elder managers would go is, oh, you covered that artist, send the original artist your covers because (laughs) They may talk it up. In your case, when you record the covers, do you send them to the original artists or their teams?
3: I I don't. Um, I mean, I have thought about I've tagged the artists a little bit in in when posting about the songs, but um, you know, Misfits covers in in particular, I have thought to myself, I wonder if Danzig is gonna try to sue me for this. <laughs> you,
0: you know, you got the two camps and the misfits and I was once at a KISS concert with my wife and I'm wearing a Misfits shirt. And this guy comes up to me and goes, great shirt. Love the Misfits. And I go, oh yeah, me too. He goes, you going to see him at Madison Square Garden? I go, yeah, are you? Oh yeah. I had to buy a lot of tickets. And my wife leans in my ear and goes, that's Jerry only. (laughs) And I ask, are you Jerry? He goes, yeah. So maybe if Glenn doesn't like it, Jerry will.
3: Maybe. Maybe. I can understand why you didn't recognize him if he wasn't in his full getup. There was know, no jetlock.
0: He was wearing a misfit shirt. But well, why oh. would you think that the guy from the Misfits would be wearing a misfit shirt?
3: Yeah, that's amazing. I love that story.
0: Well, thank you. I mean, do you wear Tsunami Bomb merch or swag around town? Did you ever?
3: No, no. I do have I do have one um, survival guide shirt that I only have because it was like a total misprint so I just you know wear it to sleep in but no I've never I've the never yoga. been a have never been a wearing my own shirt out kind of person.
0: <laughs> the school's out on that one like when you see that you said poison for Bell Biv DeVoe but poison the band I think Ricky Rocket has a poison tattoo on his arm some people oh, yeah. <laughs> not it's not just the shirt it's the ink of the band on themselves.
3: Yeah that's intense. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, again. hey, back to you. Survival Guide, will we ever see live performances?
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, I I have done live performances solo. And well, I've been doing them on on Twitch, which I don't, I mean, that counts, but it's not in person, you know.
0: I say counts, but ASCAP and BMI won't count that.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely, uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of finishing up some stuff for a, a full-length album. Great. And, uh, yeah, of originals. And uh, so I will be sort of situating my live set after that to be able to to go out and play, play more shows and potentially have more um, musicians playing with me.
0: When you play live, and let's say you can do an hour set or something like that, would it be half covers, half originals?
3: Uh, if I would only do that many covers, if it was requested of me, um, I have, um, I have one full album of originals plus two seven inch records of originals, plus the full album that I just finished up. So I have at this point, plenty of, um, plenty of original material, but obviously plenty of covers too. So... So, no, for
0: lack no, of a better term, it sounds like the covers are a gateway drug into survival guide that it's a check this and this out, but hey, stay for the real stuff."
3: Yes, yes, okay. exactly.
0: Fair. So bottom line is, you're busy as ever, life is good in Texas, but I'm curious about that. You moved to Texas before it was cool to move to Texas, right?
3: <laughs> uh I guess it was probably just just on the on the on the early side, yeah, a little bit.
0: Right. It used to be that everyone was getting out of Texas to go to California. Uh-huh. Now, now it seems like all the California and West Coast people are going to Texas.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I just work from home, so I have not encountered a lot of other Californians here. But um, but that is what I hear. That's what I hear, you know, where people don't they're they're not super stoked <laughs> about us coming here. But I've there been here long enough, I feel like, to, you know, I'm not, I'm not causing any problems. So.
0: Low key. Okay. Well, down to the last two questions here before I let you go. The first one is you've always, and I think the name Agent m H&M says a lot right there, but you've always maintained a mystique about yourself. And you've always been a person that if they know about you, they just know the music. What is life like for you outside of music? Or does that just stay private still with Survival Guide?
3: Uh, well, I mean, life outside of music.
0: Okay, let me understand. Let let me explain what I mean. Okay. The drummer of Iron Maiden has a barbecue restaurant and Uh I think is really into NASCAR. And you find out, oh, this person tours, but they really just tour to support their golf habit. Okay. You, You find a lot of those. Is there a secret M side life where it's like, oh, she's really into crocheting.
3: <laughs> yeah, I see what you're getting at. Um well, I do love baking a lot. Um I I wish it wasn't unhealthy an unhealthy habit because um I really enjoy baking cookies or um you know, trying trying out different different always usually always desserts, like some sort of dessert. I kind of a sugar addict. So, um I yeah, I mean, that's, that would be my, my thing, my other thing.
0: That is that ever one of the uh, fan funded things where, you know, give this much and get a cake baked by M.
3: <laughs> you know, actually I did have a, a, a reward that was a cookies, batch of cookies that I would bake. And then I would, uh, you know, vacuum seal them and send them out. Uh, it, it, was fun, but it turned out like it stressed me out too much to uh, to watch them get vacuum sealed and then ship them off. I just always imagined that they would, you know either sit outside too long and get all gross or turn out to be just a bunch of crumbs by the time they arrived. So I, I found out that shipping cookies is not, not for me.
0: <laughs> no good deed goes unpunished, that is the recurring theme. And last question for you, Every time the wife and I start a new TV show, we watch the whole thing in four days and we go, what's next? Well, you are a literate person with good taste, judging by the covers that you actually do choose to do. Do you have a TV recommendation?
3: Uh, Have you? I just finished up The Last of Us. Have you seen that?
0: I just interviewed right before you the composer to it. Oh, no way. But but I never saw it. Um, It is worth the hype I'm hearing.
3: Yeah, it's 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 great, and it's not so much. I mean, it's it's basically a zombie show, right? I'm sure you talked all about it with that composer, but um, but it's not. I don't. Are you a horror fan at all, or no?
0: Yeah, there's some Freddy stuff that's over there. Some oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. So the Last of Us is M-approved.
3: Yes. Yes, definitely.
0: Now I know. Well, hey, <laughs> I look forward to that new album of originals coming soon. That. Nice. Hopefully we'll see you live in New York in the near future, but bottom line, M, thanks for the many years of great art that you put out into the world.
3: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: So Josie, a pleasure to be speaking. This book hits me on so many levels and your other work, you know, your extensive interview with Rivers Cuomo of Weezer, the forthcoming book on Beck. So many, so many great interests that you've got that speak to me, but how long did it take to write Ringmaster.
4: Ringmaster went from about, uh, let's see, February of 2020 was when the idea was conceived in a conversation with my spouse, the writer and editor S.I. Rosenbaum. And then uh, it's coming out now, let's see, almost exactly three years later. So it took about two and a half to write it. And then there were about six months of it getting produced and turned into a physical object. But that was about it. And you had the blessing of in the middle of writing it the
0: subject of your book, uh, all the allegations coming out and all that. I know the timing
4: couldn't have been weirder. Yeah. Yeah. So did that change the end product at all? Um, It certainly changed the end product a little bit because I had to include some of the latest developments, which of course are now a little out of date because of the six months that I just mentioned between finishing the book and the book actually becoming a printed object. Right. But um, let me put it this way. Those are, minor details when it comes to the larger themes of what I'm trying to play with in Ringmaster. So no one who reads Ringmaster is going to then hear about anything that's happened that's not written about in Ringmaster that has come out since I finished writing um, and be shocked. They're not going to go, wow, you know, this doesn't fit at all with what this book told me about Vince McMahon. Although I wish I could be omniscient and just write everything that's uh you know going to happen i can't right. predict the future but i think everyone will find that um the allegations and other pieces of information that have come up are pretty easy to square with the portrait that i've painted outro cast hey yo tech one
2: two this is flavor flame and i don't disappear fast because right now you are watching the paltrow cast outro cast